Now, before we start uh, the topic for this morning, I'd like to pray to ask that the Lord will guide us and lead us and bless us as we study His Word. So, bow your heads with me as we pray. Father, we thank You for this opportunity once again. We thank You, Lord, that You have uh, strengthened us this morning and encouraged us to be here. Of all the places we could have chosen to go, we came to Your house and we pray, Lord, that you may bless each and every worshiper here, that we will leave this place feeling blessed, feeling that we had a real encounter with you. Uh, bless every child here. They may be greatly blessed as well, that uh, something I know they will be able to get from this message, that will bless their lives as they grow and as they come to a full knowledge of who you are and of how much you love each and every one of us. I ask you these blessings. I ask you that you may use me as your instrument and open up the hearts of every worshiper here. In the name of Jesus Christ, I ask. Amen. It is uh, back to school season, and there is a story. Well, you know that uh, Newton was the one who studied uh, the law of gravity and, and inertia and movement and things like that. And the teacher was trying to impress her students one morning in elementary school and she took the students outside and they went to the, to the orchard right in the backyard of the school and she told the students to sit under the tree under the apple tree and she was talking about uh, several principles and then she said but do you know that Sir Isaac Newton he found out he was prompted to study about gravity and, and to find the laws of gravity when he was sitting under the tree and all of a sudden an apple fell from the tree uh, right upon his head. And he was intrigued by that and he started to study. And, and that's, that's how he got started. And then one of the ch children said, well, it's interesting. If he had stayed in class reading books and listening to the teacher, he, wouldn't have, he would not have found anything. He wouldn't have learned anything. So it's probably better that we are outside here. But the truth is, there is always something to learn. And there is always something to learn. And I can't think of the disciples and those who were following Jesus. And Jesus had lessons to teach. Jesus had object lessons that he wanted to teach them. Jesus told and taught by parables. And told them stories and tried to relate the truths of the eternal kingdom of God with things that were practical in life. And Jesus would not only do that, but God was also working through Jesus in a way that he was performing miracles, signs and wonders. And people were really impressed by that. Now, signs and wonders were something that I would say were secondary to Christ's ministry that he would perform, that would really impress some people and, and cause in them uh, the thinking that they should really pay attention to what Jesus was saying. But signs and, and wonders by themselves are not what we're go are going to, to save anyone. Right? Jesus wants you to get to know Him for the person who He is. He wants you to get to know Him for who He is and for what He wants to do in your life. But there have been occasions in the Bible, all throughout the Bible, where miracles have been performed. And throughout Jesus' ministry, you know many of the miracles that He performed. And even though He performed those miracles among the people, and 
whether they were Pharisees or Sadducees or whether they were people from the crowd, they would come to Jesus and they would be impressed. But some of Jesus' opponents, they would turn to Jesus and say, how can we know for sure that you are the Son of God? How can we know for sure that you are whom you claim to be? So show us a sign. Show us something. Do something that we can look at and say, yes, you are the Son of God. Well, Jesus had been performing miracles all the time, all along. Jesus had been healing people. He had fed the multitude. He had done many miracles and they were still asking for a sign. And in the scripture we read today, which comes from uh, Luke chapter 11, verses 29 to 32. And I'd like to ask you to go back there to Luke 11, 29 to 32. And we are going to read that again. So Luke eleven twenty nine to 32 says, And while the crowds were thickly gathered together, he began to say, This is an evil generation. It seeks a sign, and no sign will be given to it, except the sign of Jonah the prophet. For as Jonah became a sign to the Ninevites, so also the Son of Man, Son of Man will be a sign to this generation. The Queen of the South will rise up in the judgment with the men of this generation and condemn them. For she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And indeed, a greater than Solomon is here. The men of Nineveh will rise up in the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And indeed, a greater than Jonah is here. Now, there are... Several occasions in the Gospels where we see people asking a sign from Jesus. Where we see people, the crowds or those who opposed him saying, show us a sign, show us a sign. There are several instances. We can find that in the four Gospels. In the book of Matthew alone, there are two of those experiences related to the prophet Jonah. But altogether, there are only four direct references to Jonah as the sign. So, uh, people would ask Jesus for a sign, and we can find that all throughout the Gospels. But there are four accounts in the Gospels of people asking for a sign, and Jesus answering, no sign will be given except the one of the prophet Jonah. And one of those accounts is the one we just read. Now, in the book of Matthew, there are two of those accounts. And uh, I, am, I am led to believe that there were different occasions. The, the two accounts in the book of Matthew refer to different occasions. And Jesus would say, no sign will be, will be given except the sign of Jonah, the prophet. So, in what way was Jonah a sign? Because the, the reason I chose this scripture for today rather than the ones in Matthew or in Mark or in John is because Jesus says something quite interesting here in verse 30 he says for as Jonah became a sign to the Ninevites so also the son of man will be to this generation so Jesus is saying that Jonah became a sign isn't that interesting Jesus is not saying that Jonah performed signs 
he is not referring to any miracles that Jonah would have performed, but Jesus is saying Jonah became a sign. Well, Jesus gives two indications right here in the text as to how Jonah became a sign. One is quite straightforward because Jesus says in, uh, in Matthew, it says in Matthew uh, 12, 40, that Jonah was three days in the belly of the great fish. And just like Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the fish, Likewise, the Son of Man will be three days in the depths of the earth, and then he'll come back on the third day. So this is one way in which Jonah was a sign. Jonah was, in a sense, a type of Jesus. In a sense, the fact that Jonah remained three days and three nights in the belly of that great fish was pointing out to the fact that Jesus later on would also die and be buried and be there in the tomb until on the third day he would rise up. And as Jesus makes reference to this episode in Matthew 12, 40, saying that Jonah was there three days in the belly of the great fish, we can't help but think of all the miracles that the Bible refers to. Isn't that a miracle that Jonah was refusing to follow the instructions of God, to follow the command of God, to go and preach to the Ninevites? And as soon as God speaks to him, he thinks, I'm going to go in a different direction. And I'm going to flee from God. And I'm going to find a place where I can hide from God. So innocent, right? How could he ever hide from God? And so he goes to a different direction. He takes a boat into a different direction. And all of a sudden, he's, he's tossed out of the boat. And he's swallowed by this great fish. Now that in itself is a miracle. Because the Bible says that God prepared a fish to swallow Jonah. It was no accident. It was God who prepared the fish. And he swallowed by that fish. Now can you imagine being three days and three nights in the belly of the fish with all, those, all that gastric juice going back and forth. Uh, it wasn't pleasant at all, but he survived, which is also a miracle. And then the Bible says that God spoke to the great fish. God spoke to the fish, which is in itself another miracle. And the fish vomited Jonah out. But not only he vomited him out, he vomited him out on dry land. Which is another miracle right in itself. And then Jonah finally re resigned and said, yes, I'll do as you ask. And I'll go and preach to the Ninevites. And so Jesus, just like this one miraculous episode, Jesus also performed many miracles in, in his life. But remember that when Jesus, many times when Jesus would perform a miracle, he would turn to the person and say, don't tell this to anyone. Don't say anything about this to anybody. Go your way, but shh, keep silent, keep quiet. And as much as Jesus wanted this to be a quiet thing, as much as he, he intended this to be something quiet, People would still go out leaping for joy and say, I was healed. I was healed. It was that man, it was the Nazarene who healed me. Jesus Christ, the Son of Man, the Son of God. But he never did anything, any of that to amaze people. He never did any of those miracles for the sake of making people, causing people to be in awe and, and make them follow him because they admired his, his gifts and his talents. Jesus did 
He performed his miracles as an act of mercy. He performed miracle, performed miracles because he wanted to see people restored as close as close as possible to how they were when they came out of his hands. He healed people because he wanted to be them restored closer and closer to the image of God himself and to his likeness. It's like when he restored the sight of the blind. It's like when he brought back life to the only son of a widow. He did it because he had mercy on the woman, not to impress anyone. It's like when he healed a man who was for 38 years looking for healing. And he was lying down there next to the pool of Bethesda, waiting for a chance to dive down in hopes of being healed. Jesus came and healed him, finishing his 38-year ordeal. It is like when he delivered people from demonic possession. Or when he multiplied food to satisfy thousands of, satisfy thousands of hungry people. When he cured ten lepers, allowing them to go back to their families, to go back to their normal life. When he healed certain women, women who were ill, who were sick, and restored their dignity and their ability to fight for their living. All of these supernatural manifestations in the ministry of Jesus were nothing more than acts of mercy and a demonstration of how God, even though sin entered this world and destroyed much of His creation, even, even still, God loves us and God wants to see us restored. In fact, I could go beyond this and say that Jesus never ever, I can say this with certainty, that He never ever performed a miracle to compel faith on anyone. He never performed a miracle to say, now you have to follow me. Now you better follow me because I did this for you. Jesus heals. Jesus heals because he is full of compassion. But in what other way was Jonah a sign? Was Jonah a sign only because the fact that he was three days and three nights in the belly of the fish. Uh, just like Jesus would be dead for three days and rise up on the third day. Was that the only way in which Jonah was a sign? No. Because Jesus says that he became a sign. And the Son of Man will also become a sign. In what way then was Jesus talking? Not other way was Jesus talking about Jonah being a sign. I want to remind you of something. When Jonah was vomited out of the belly of the great fish on dry land. And he made his way finally to the city of Nineveh. And there he preached to the people. There is no indication in the Bible, there is no indication that once he got there, he said, I got to tell you an impressive, a miraculous story. I was three days and three nights in the belly of the fish, and God delivered me. He, if he did so, the Bible doesn't tell us. So there is no indication in the Bible that he, he uh, accounted, he made an account of that event in his life. There is no indication in the Bible whatsoever that he performed miracles before the Ninevites. And so Jonah was not performing miracles. The one thing that Jonah did was what? Was to preach. That's the one thing that he did. God told him, go there and warn them that if they don't change their ways, they're going to be destroyed. And that's what he did. He went there and preached. 
And his preaching was one of warning. His preaching was one of uh, uh, announcing their imminent destruction. And that they should repent or they would be destroyed. There was no miracle performed. There, There was no wonder. There was no sign performed by Jonah. His message was a call to repentance. A warning that they might be spared from the imminent destruction if they turned back to God. So Jesus says, he became a sign to the Ninevites. He became a sign to them. And he became a sign because of his preaching. He became a sign because it was a miracle in and of itself. Not only the fact that he was vomited out of the belly of the fish. But also the fact that Jonah, someone who was refusing to do what God was asking him to do. He still went there. That in itself is a miracle. Because he could have remained trying to flee from God and try to hide from him. But he went there. That in itself is a miracle. And he goes there and he preaches to a people who is evil. And that in itself is another miracle. That shows us how much God is interested in saving people. No matter how far they might be from the truth. How far they might be from God. And the same way where, Jesus, where Jonah was assigned, Jesus was also assigned to his generation. Because Jesus says, this generation is evil. And they ask me for a sign, but there is no other sign than the sign of Jonah. And so if they could only understand what Jesus was saying, they would see that Jesus was saying the same way Jonah preached to an evil city. And they repented, I wish you would repent from my preaching. And so that's an indication for us. The Bible is telling us that God is not only in the business of performing miracles. God is also in the business of raising people whom he will make a sign to their generation. And so God used Jonah to be a sign to his generation. And Jesus said that he was assigned to he was going to be a sign to his generation. Which leads me to think about today. What about today? As Jonah was assigned in his time and Jesus was assigned to his generation. What about today? Who is God calling to be a sign to those around them? I can almost see Jesus saying. And I don't think I'm doing anything wrong to the biblical text when I say this. But I can almost hear Jesus say. Jonah became a sign to his generation. And the Son of Man will be a sign to this generation. Likewise, in 2019, Clover Taylor will be a sign to her generation. In 2019, Michelle Elward will be used as a sign to her generation. In 2019, God is willing to raise people who are going to be witnesses of his love to those around him. That one can be you. If only, if only we do not refuse God's call. If only we do not do as Jonah did in the beginning. Refusing to do what God was asking him to do. In the 21st century, God is raising people to be his sign to this generation. God is raising people and How am I supposed to be assigned to my generation, someone might ask. 
How am I supposed to be a sign? Am I supposed to go out in the streets as Jonah did and preach and preach telling people of their imminent doom if they don't return to God? Well, I know preachers who have done this and maybe some still do this. They will stand there at the corner of the square and they will talk to people who are passing by. If you don't repent and come to Jesus now, you're going to be destroyed. That may not be so effective today. And Jesus in his own time, he used different approaches. But how am I going to be a sign to my generation today? Well, it's going to be by you standing up, standing tall and standing for the truth. It's going to be standing for the truth when everyone else is doing what is wrong. It's going to be when you go to school. And even when you are in a Christian school, you look around and you see people doing things that maybe you think, well, a Christian shouldn't be doing that. But you stand, you stand tall, you stand for the, the right and for the truth. You don't do what other people are doing. It is like when you are in your workplace and people are tempting you to do things you know you shouldn't do. But you say, no, I am a Christian and I'm a sign for my generation. God has raised me to be a miracle, a living miracle around people, within people around me. And I'm not going to do what other people are doing. It's keeping yourself pure. It's keeping yourself pure till you get married, even though this may seem like an antiquated concept. It is like keeping yourself pure from, from lying to other people. It is like standing for the truth, never lying to other people, even if that's going to cost you some relationships, even if, it, if that's going to cost you a promotion or whatever. It is rising above the average. This is how you can be assigned to your generation. It's rising above your peers. It's standing above the crowd. It's having pride, having holy pride of being a child of God and being different from others. I know that our young people particularly, they, they have their electronic devices and they go on Instagram and they go on Facebook and they see people who are posting about their lives. And I don't know if you have stopped to think that people normally, for the most part, post the good things about something that had good and bad things. And they may have had a, a horrible experience, but they're going to post about the, the good things only. And sometimes we have so much access to all that information that we look at other people and we say, I'm never ever going to measure up to those people. They're so much better than I am. They can perform so well. They can function so well. They do so many things at the same time. They can multitask. I'll never be like them. While Jesus is calling you today and saying, Oh, as I raised Jonah, a fugitive prophet, as Jesus himself was a sign, I'm also willing to raise you and to make you a sign to your generation. If only you believe. If only you believe. Having the courage to hold your ground even when everybody around you is of a different opinion. This past week, yeah, this past week, this last week, last week rather, uh, there was a story that circulated in the news that shocked all of us Canadians. A 14-year-old young man out there in BC who lost her life, his life. And some of the news were referring to the fact that that young man maybe thought that some 
older people who were around him were friends when they probably were not his friends, not real friends. And so when God calls you to be assigned to your generation, you must have in mind that people who are going to be around you are not necessarily your friends. They may say things that will make you think as if they are your friends, but they are not. When someone stands in front of you and says he's got pneumonia, but he has measles, you will catch whatever he has, doesn't matter what he tells you he's got. If the person says, I have just a cold, but they have measles, you are going to catch measles, regardless of what they say. And so people will come around you, they will say nice things, they will look as if, they are your friends. But you may end up catching from them, getting from them the evil that they have intended, rather than the beautiful things they are saying. And so, if you are a young person going to school now, keep that in mind. Choose well your friends. Because some people will come around you saying good things, but inside, they are not, they are not really well-intentioned. And you may end up catching the bad that they might bring you. This is not to say that we are not going to be open to making friends. We are not going to be open to new relationships. But keep in mind that God is raising you to be different. To stand above the average. To stand above the crowd. Jonah was in a sense dead in the belly of the fish. But eventually he came back to life and to accomplish his mission. Jesus was literally dead in the grave, but on the third day, he rose again, and now he is alive. And today, you and I also need to go through this experience of dying to self, and coming back to life to be only in the service of Jesus, and do only what he tells us and what he wants us to do. Show us a sign, they asked Jesus. Jesus had performed many signs. Jesus pointed to the fact that he was a living sign himself. You may have heard this story. And some people will tell this uh, as a joke. And maybe uh, this is not a true story. But uh, there was a city that was facing torrential uh, rainstorms. And the water was starting to get a little high. Maybe one inch or two. And there was this religious man, very religious, that while all the people in the city were evacuated and were moved to a different town, he said, no, I'm going to stay here because I don't want to see my church go down. And he went all the way up to the ceiling of the the roof of the church and all the way up to the steeple and clung up there and said, no, I'm not leaving here because I'm going to pray that God will spare the city and if anything else, at least the church, that God will spare the church and spare my life. And he was there praying, Lord, please save me, please save me. And while the water was not too high still, a man came with a ladder. One of those extensible, huge ladders. And he he said, please, I'm going to lean the the ladder on the building and you come down through the ladder. And the man said, no, God will save me. I trust that he can save me. I'm praying here and I know he will save me. And so the man went away. As the water was going up and up and uh, two men came in a boat and said, listen, we are having to, 
to roll this, to, to boat now, you can come and, and be with us and we'll take you away. And he said, no, I'm praying and I know that God will send deliverance. I know that God will deliver me from this and he will preserve my life. And finally, when the water was really, really high, almost getting to him, <clears throat> the helicopter came from the fire services and they said, this is your last chance. Please take this ladder and come up to the helicopter. We'll take you out of here. And he said, no, thank you. I don't want to go because I know God can save me. Well, God had sent three uh, ways of being delivered, right? God sent three times, but he refused. And so people might refuse, but God is still calling you to be a living sign, to be used by him. To impress people with the truth of the gospel. There is a beautiful text in the Bible. And uh, I want you to go there with me. It's in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 8 verse 18. Isaiah eight eighteen. This text is even quoted in the New Testament in the book of Hebrews. Isaiah eight eighteen says, Here I am and the children whom the Lord has given me. We are for what? Well, I'll give, you, I'll give you some time to find the text. Sorry. So Isaiah chapter 8, verse 18. Isaiah 8, 18. Are we all there? Okay. So the Bible says, Here I am and the children whom the Lord has given me. We are for signs and wonders in Israel. From the Lord of hosts who dwells in Mount Zion. So you are called to be a sign to your generation. You and your family, your children and your siblings and your parents, all of the church family, we have been called to say, here we are as living signs and wonders from the part of God to those around us. My desire is that today, as we start a new school year, for, school year for those who are in school. And for those of us who are not in school, but we are going on a day-to-day basis about our businesses and work and family and uh, church responsibilities. My desire is that we may take this message to heart. That we have been called to be a sign to those around us. Maybe you walked into this church for the first time today, whether you, are, you have just moved or whether you're visiting. I want to tell you that you didn't come here by chance today. That the Lord had this message for you, for sure. And He brought you here that God is calling you to be a sign to your generation. And even though we may want to have a low profile as Jesus wanted to have, he would say, don't tell about this to anybody. And many times when the crowd would gather around him and kind of try to make him their, their, their idol, he would just escape and go to the mountains and pray in solitude and be quiet. So this is the type of ministry that the Lord expects from us. He doesn't expect anyone to try to reach the spotlight and be famous to be able to serve him. No. But nevertheless, God is calling you to stand above the average. God is calling you to rise above. God is calling you to be different. There is a prayer that you may have come across already. 
But I brought it to read it here today. And I would like to dedicate this to our young people, to those in school, and to the church in general. It is a prayer that has inspired many to stand strong in their faith and to live unashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This prayer was originally titled, A Zimbabwean Martyr's, Martyr's Prayer. It was found among the papers of a young African pastor who was martyred in Zimbabwe some 100 plus years ago. According to the Southern Nazarene University, the prayer was passed on by missionary Louise Robinson Chapman, who served in Africa from 1920 to 1940. Years later, the prayer became known as the Fellowship of the Unashamed. It isn't clear if the pastor was killed by opposing forces in the area or uh, we don't know. But the truth is that he was martyred for his refusal to renounce his faith in Jesus Christ. And as I read these words, I pray that you will be willing to commit in your heart to join in this fellowship, the fellowship of the unashamed. <clears throat> I am part of the fellowship of the unashamed. I have Holy Spirit power. The die has been cast. I have stepped over the line. The decision has been made. I am a disciple of His. I won't look back. Let up, slow down, back away, or be still. My past is redeemed. My present makes sense. My future is secure. I am finished with low living, with sidewalking, small planning, smooth knees, colorless dreams, tamed visions, worldly talking, cheap giving, and dwarfed goals. I no longer need preeminence, prosperity, position, promotions, plodity, or popularity. I don't have to be right first tops or recognized, praised, regarded or rewarded. I now live by faith. I lean on his presence, walk by patience, am uplifted by prayer and labor by power. My pace is set, my gait is fast, my goal is heaven. My road is narrow, my way rough, my companions few, my guide is reliable and my mission is clear. I cannot be bought, compromised, detoured, lured away, turned back, deluded or delayed. I will not flinch in the face of sacrifice, hesitate in the presence of the adversary, of the adversary, negotiate at the table of the enemy, pander at the pool of popularity or meander at, in the maze of mediocrity. I won't give up, shut up, let up, until I've stayed up, stored up, prayed up, paid up, preached up for the cause of Jesus Christ. I am a disciple of Jesus. I must go till he comes, give till I drop, preach till all know, and work till he stops me. And when he comes for his own, he'll have no problem recognizing me. My banner will be clear. Amen. Father, your angels are watching us and they are seeing those who have 
stood up now. Somehow demonstrating, Lord, that we also want to be part of this fellowship of the unashamed. Those who are choosing to be used by you to be a sign, a living sign, a living miracle, living sacrifice, a living witness to their generation. So help us, Lord, because this is beyond our ability. Help us, Lord, because we depend entirely on you for this. And help us shine wherever we may go, whether in the palaces of power, whether in the parliaments of legislature, whether in our classroom, whether in our job sites, whether in the workplace, in the office, in the street, or at home, or in the church. Help us shine, rise above, and be signs to those around us. As we see that we have stood up, I ask, Lord, that you may constantly send your angels to encourage us and strengthen us to be able to accomplish this. In the name of Jesus Christ, I ask. Amen. Amen.